Let me say once again, it's good to see each visitor we have with us in service today, and I hope you'll feel welcome and loved, and just uh, let it be known today, you're not a visitor after today. We just want you to come back and be regular home folks with us. I was looking in the bulletin, and I didn't bring it out with me. Who has their bulletin? On your bulletin, would you give that to me, please? On your bulletin, I really like what Sister Ann had put in this bulletin here this week. Uh, on the front, it says, funny, isn't it? Now, if you got it, you can take a look at it. It says, funny how a $100 bill looks so big when you take it to church, so small when you put it into the mail. Funny how long it takes to serve God for an hour, but how quickly a uh, team plays 60 minutes of basketball. Uh, I like this other one here. It says, funny how long a couple of hours spent at church seems, but how short they are when watching a movie. You need to read this. I'm not going to take time to read all this. You need to read this because it is kind of funny that we've got time for the things of the world, but we don't have time for the things of God. Amen. How many love hunting and fishing more than sitting and listening to the word of the Lord? You thought I was going to say ladies watching their movies, you know, all this kind of stuff. No. We men sometimes, we'd rather do the things of the world than listen to the Word of God and be involved in the things of God. You say, well, that's just nature, Pastor. Yep, you're right. It's the nature of sin. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, I feel God's anointing on the service. And I want to tell you something, God has got something for us today. One verse of scripture, Jesus was in Gethsemane, he was praying, his church family was with him, his disciples. This was a time that Jesus was there praying and Spending before God himself, preparing himself for the physical pain as well as the spiritual agony of the attacks that were upon his spirit. Many different theologians have different words that they say about what they feel like took place here at Gethsemane and what the actual words of the Lord was and of, of what was being said here about the cup being passed from him. Some think it was the flesh uh, that was hurting. Some writers think it was the spiritual absence that he was going to be there uh, in the flesh. really doesn't make any difference about that. The point I want to make today is, is that God, or Jesus, is saying to his disciples here, he says, I know that your body is very weak. I know that the spirit that is in you has a willingness. Now, your spirit this morning had a willingness or a desire to come to the house of the Lord. Your body was tired and weak, and the body tried to say to you, you're tired, you don't need to go this morning. Your spirit this morning says, I must get up and get with it because I've got to go to the house of the Lord. That's what your spirit said, but your flesh said, man, preacher's going to preach over 30 minutes this morning, so you'd be better off to sit home and listen to TV ministry. Your spirit this morning says, man, I need to get up, but your flesh says, remember how it exhorts about tithing. And you can't tie this week and you don't need to go get embarrassed. The spirit this morning in you says, I want to go and worship the Lord. And you get a phone call and a tax from hell comes upon you because of problems. Your spirit this morning had a desire because it is the spirit of God that was breathed in you upon conception. That spirit wanted to come and say, I'm going to give God my very best. But many, many different problems and anxieties and attacks come to you 
and tried to give your spirit excuse. Now Paul talks to us about the spirit and the flesh, and it talks about how the flesh hates the spirit that's in you. Now we know that Satan hates the spirit of God, but the flesh hates your spirit. In other words, your flesh has a spirit inside of it. Your mind is not spirit. Your mind is flesh. Now take hold of what I'm trying to get across to you. Your mind is flesh. And the only way that your spirit can be filled with understanding of God, it has to go through your mind. I know this sounds elementary and repetitively speaking. I want to get across to you about the things of God and the things that God has desired for you, and I think sometimes we absolutely miss it. Your soul, the makeup of who you are, the inward part of man, the soul when it dies, and the spirit that is in you when it dies, it then goes and goes into a place of holding. It goes into a place of heaven or of hell. Sheol was split. When Jesus Christ went into the earth, when his spirit went into the place of hell, it split it and it made a holding place for saints then. All New Testament believers are called saints. People of old who were saved and lived for God and had committed to God up to Pentecost or up to the resurrection, these people are people that are saved and love God and, and they're there. But the Lord says that the New Testament church is called saints. When the resurrection takes place upon the trumpet of the Lord that we read about in the book of Thessalonians, the Bible says that the dead in Christ, the dead in Christ, it means the saints of God are going to be resurrected. And we're going to go and be with the Lord into the air. And then we're going to rule and to reign. And then there's going to be another uh, resurrection. That resurrection of all the, the men and women of God who loved him is going to have a resurrection. And we're all going to spend time with God throughout eternity. And, and I'm looking forward to that time. My soul right now and my spirit that is in me, as it leaves me, it goes into the place of the Lord should I be living for the Lord and I plan to live for God that when I die my spirit and my soul is going to be at peace with God. I was preaching a funeral over the Atlanta area and a man came to me and he said, man, I ain't never heard what you were saying this morning here. I've heard it before but I don't understand it. Could you explain it to me? And I began to explain about how the spirit and the soul of man, how that when it leaves that body and the undertaker takes the body and the body's laying on an old cold a piece of stainless steel and the blood is drained and the fluids are drained from the body. There's really nothing there any longer except a piece of dirt that God picked up and he breathed inside of it. It's just made into the form of flesh as a man. But it's lying there and there's nothing to it and we go and we view the body. When we view the body, we have remembrance. Now listen to me. We have remembrance of the good times that we had with them. We remember all the times that we fellowshiped, the times that we had uh, many, many different occasions to, to hug and to love and to laugh and to talk. And our memory, our mind begins to wonder, oh Lord, I'm going to miss this flesh. And the, 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 the spirit then begins to get under attack. If you do not know who you are, and you don't know whose you are, and you know that you belong to the kingdom of God, and those who die in the Lord are in, not in God. If you don't know that, then this is a sad occasion. But if that person dies and they die in the Lord Jesus Christ, I think about your mother, Stan. She passed away, but she's in the presence of God Almighty. The flesh, you'd love to hug this morning. You'd love to just say, oh, Mom, I love you. And you can go back and you can say, oh, I wish that I had done this more. I wish I had done that more. But those things are gone now. You can't do anything about it. That grandmother, Brother Allen, that you loved so much and, and you just was around her so much, she was so loving and kind and good to you. You miss that flesh today. 
But when someone dies in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they die in the Lord Jesus Christ, do not weep for them. Because this is only the memory of that person that lied there, the person that you used to hug and touch, but now they are in the presence of God Almighty waiting for the trumpet sound that that body that laid on that cold piece of steel that now is six foot under the earth, uh, under the earth uh, is now awaiting the promise of God which says that this old flesh uh, that you lived in will be resurrected again. Isn't that wonderful? to know that those fleshly bodies that were put under the earth are going to have a resurrection and it's going to be the spirit that God gave them resurrected by God that's going to give them a new body. Whoa, glory to God. That new body. I got the Holy Ghost Holy Ghost is taking my coat off. I feel it. Glory to God. Now, i got to get up here and preach. I'm getting excited. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The Bible says he's coming for those who are watching and who are waiting. When we live in sin, we're not watching and we're not waiting for the return of the Lord. When our body, our fleshly body, receives the sin of this world and we live in that sin, then we are dying daily. The Spirit, it goes on to say, the Spirit, and if you look in your Bible, it says a little less. That means your spirit. The spirit of man indeed is willing to pray with me in Gethsemane, but your bodies are weak. Your flesh is weak. You know one reason the flesh, Paul said that the flesh hates the spirit, you know one reason for that, or the most important reason, is because the flesh wants to be the ruler. The flesh wants to have rule, but then is that not what Satan represents, the big guy? I... I, I will overthrow God. In heaven, he says, I will overthrow God. You see, God created good and evil. We think the devil created evil. The devil didn't have, he created nothing. He numbered a stupid jerk. And why we live for him, I have no idea sometimes. How about you? He's dumb, he's stupid, and we just follow him. We know he's dumb, we know he's stupid, we know he can't create, we know he can't heal, we know he can't save, and why we like to live like him, I just don't understand myself sometimes. He's stupid. He thinks he's very intelligent. He duplicates everything that belongs to God. He, he tries to make you think he is really something when he ain't nothing at all. He uses the fear tactics to make you think that he is something great and God is nothing. Isaiah 41.10, where I've been preaching from. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God's with you. Don't be afraid. Why? Because God's with you. Oh, hallelujah. I got the Holy Ghost running that back of my neck, folks. I just can't help it this morning. Don't be afraid. Why? Because God's with us. Oh, you don't know the problem. Don't be afraid. Why? Because God's with me. You don't understand, Pastor. I'm going to this church. Don't be afraid, the Bible says. Why? Because God's with me. Oh, hallelujah. Don't be afraid. Why? Because God's with me. Oh, but you don't understand, Pastor. Oh, I've got these tremendous fears. Don't be afraid. Why? Because God's with you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Hallelujah. The Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of the terror by night. Your soul is at peace with God when your sin leaves you. Oh, hallelujah. But sin, 
says, I want to rule. I want that flesh. I want that flesh. I, 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 want, I want that flesh. And so the devil tempts your fleshly mind. Listen to me, saints. Listen to me. He tempts your flesh, not spirit, but flesh mind. This is the only place he can get to your spirit. Some of y'all say, he's just a little bit harder would suit me just fine, preacher. That's enough out of you. Man, this is the only place the devil can get in your spirit. God created his flesh, and inside he put a spirit. And the mind is flesh. And Satan says, I've got to get to your spirit because your spirit is what I've got to control, and I'll use the flesh to do it. So here's where he comes. This is the only place, folks. <laughs> Some of us think, well, where they got that spirit from? Boy, they got a bad spirit. Oh, oh, did you hear what they said? Oh, where'd it come from? It come by their mind. It can't get there no other way. The devil does not have the authority, nor does he have the power, nor the ability to attack your spirit. Oh, glory be to God. Hallelujah. He cannot, cannot attack your spirit. But he attacks your spirit thinking because it's flesh. Folks, you need to understand what I'm saying here today and change your way of thinking. That old flesh is going to have to come under submission because your spirit's going to get filled with words of God. It goes back. Give the Lord a hand of praise. It goes back to John chapter 4 and verse 24 that God is a spirit. Say it with me. God is a spirit. And people who worship him, worship him out of their spirit. And his truth. Your spirit has got to fleshly want the truth. Now here's one good thing about it. God can touch your spirit because it's his. <laughs> the devil can't touch it because it's not his but God can because it's him hallelujah man don't that make sense to you the devil likes to think he can get inside and work these little spiritual things but the only place he can get to you is right here you wonder why you do the things that are wrong? It's because you're thinking, stinking. It's off. Your mind is in the wrong direction. Hello? When you come to church on a regular basis, it's going to be enough. It's going to be enough to help you do some good thinking if you will listen. It'll be enough. To help you do some good listening if you'll just, I mean, good doing if you'll just do some listening. And you can't do anything about somebody else's life. Come here. Get around, sisters. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I rebuke this spirit of the enemy. These words that come from people, these words that come from, from even family, oh God, these words that would attack the mind, that would try to get to the spirit of my sister today, God, I rebuke those words and may we proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and we can't do anything about anybody else's life, but we can do something about ours and we'll not let the enemy take our mind and defeat us today. We're more than a conqueror through the blood of Jesus Christ that gives me strength. Hallelujah. I will be a survivor because I trust the Lord. Oh God, give me peace in the midst of my storm.
storm. Give me peace, Lord, when I cannot see and feel. Give me that peace that I need, Lord, today. I can't do anything about my son, but I know that God can. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm not going to be dismayed. Why? Because I know that God is with me. Hallelujah. He's my rod. He's my staff. He's my comforter today. And I trust Him today. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, I praise and glorify and magnify the Lord. My mind is stayed upon the Lord today. My mind is upon Jesus and my spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It rests in the Lord. It has peace in God. I let my mind think on the things of God and all the turmoil, all the problems. Hallelujah. I release unto the Lord. I will not be afraid because I know that God is with me. Hallelujah. I cannot change anybody else's mind, but I can change mine. Hallelujah. And I will not be defeated in the name of Jesus Christ. I am more than any conqueror. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Through the blood of the Lord that gives me power and strength in Jesus' holy name. In Jesus' holy name. Touch me, I pray. Touch my eyes. Touch my ears. Touch my fleshly mind. Make it spiritual-minded. God, as I dwell upon you, as your words become mine, hallelujah, I will not be discouraged. My faith is in God. Hallelujah! I am not defeated by any means. I am God's today. Hallelujah! And what belongs to God does not have to fear because God is with us. In the name of Jesus, I receive that touch from God. In the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a hand of praise for victory. Folks, I feel like an elementary teacher a lot of times. Don't be making fun of my people up here. He's got legs. I've drawn this a lot of times. Please understand this. There's no way that Satan can get here nor here. I'm going to repeat it. I want to show you. He cannot get here nor here in your life unless he goes through this one thing. The Lord has made us free moral agents to do as we please. You do not have to serve God. You don't have to do right. You can go to heaven or you can go to hell. You can go to jail or you can live a normal life. You can do anything you want to do. Fact is, your mind is your limitations. Your mind is what limits you from succeeding. If you study, then you understand. If you want to be a doctor, all you got to do is go study. You can be one of the most nerdiest people in the whole world, but you can be a fantastic doctor if you learn and understand how to be that physician and you apply yourself you can be one you can be president of the united states if you want to be president of the united states you can work and achieve and push yourself until you push yourself to a place where somebody makes a decision if they like you or not you can make your mind up to to be the greatest Christian believer in the whole wide world if you want to study and become a servant of the living God. You can do anything you want to do, but your mind is your pro and con. When you feel defeated, it's because of the way you're thinking, not because God is less or Satan is more. We see the attacks that are upon us, and I see the attacks that comes upon the church and upon God's people. And these are natural offenses. They're going to come because Satan says, if you won't stop me, God, and let me kind of tempt them, then you'll find out that they will give in. And the Lord says that man is gone away 
by his own lust and his own enticement of sin. It's not because Satan has this great ability to tempt you with sin. A lot of it is just because you're drawn away because you want to be drawn away with lust or enticement of sin. You entice yourself when you go to the wrong places. You entice yourself when you do the wrong things. You entice yourself by the kinds of people that you hang around. You hang around believers and positive people, you're going to be a believer and a positive person. If you hang around negative people and the thing is full, that's exactly the way you're going to be. You don't get with some old dog that's got fleas and expect to stay clean. They'll jump off them just as quick as they can jump and get on to that which clean. Don't matter if you warned them or not, they'll get on you if you hang around them. So dust yourself with holy flea powder when you go out into this whole world. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Woo, Dwayne, you might have to come finish this thing here for me, brother. This thing's getting all over me this morning. Glory be to God. Woo. Hallelujah. The mind. Oh, I'm trying to get over in the book of Romans chapter 7. Woo. Dear Lord, y'all gonna have to pray for me. I, this, this is on me bad. I mean, good. It's on me good. They call it bad in some way, but it's good. Uh, it's all up my back here. I can't. And they, where's Brother Steve? I'm gonna have to get him to rub my back here. Glory. Mm. Y'all just gonna have to give me a minute. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Mm. The spirit that God gave you is trying to find the spirit that put it in there. Think about it. This spirit that the devil cannot touch, that did not create, that has not the power to touch, God's spirit and your spirit, which is God's spirit, love of souls. Well, I was just born with spirit. Where did it come from? God created it, I guess. Get an understanding, get the concept. When God breathed into dirt, that was Him putting Himself inside of us, making a living soul, praise God, and that soul is to worship and glorify and magnify God. If you red, green, yellow, purple, black, or white, or whatever, it don't matter. God said, I put within you my spirit to worship and glorify me. Hallelujah. It doesn't make any difference if you're skinny and beautiful like me or fat and ugly like you are. It don't matter. God put inside me a spirit and my spirit is searching its creator. Glory to God. Boy, I tell you what, and I feel so good here. I don't know if I'm going to finish this. Man, it's like the Lord's got me in a vice and, mm. Oh, hallelujah. Glory, Glory be to God. And we wonder, what's going on with me when the heart is where all good and evil has a storage place? This is the house. Your soul is not the house. Your mind is not the house. Your heart is the house. Hallelujah. And the Bible says all good things that come from the heart must accelerate out of the mouth. And when the mouth speaks praises unto the living God, hallelujah, that spirit that is in you connects with the truth that is in you. And God gets glory and blessings come down on you because you are searching your creator. But the mind, this old flesh mind, Lord, let me get over here to you. Why are you going to have to quit taking too much time for worship it's cutting in on my preaching time? Glory. Oh, where are we? Hey, go over to Romans chapter 7 right quick, quickly, quickly. Romans chapter 7. Verse 
14. Let's go to verse 13. Did that which is good, then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me. The what was good. So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. You've got to recognize in your life and in the world what is sin. Somebody tell me your definition of sin. Two, three, whatever. Yes, ma'am. Anything that will glorify God, somebody else. Anything not pleasing to God, anybody else. Doing what you want to do, all these are good answers. Come on, somebody else. All right. That's the one I'm after. Anything that is contrary to Scripture. Anything that goes against God's Word is sin. You know what's happened in our day? In our society? That man has taught a different word. They have taught this is all right because this is what man thinks and this is his conviction. Just because you don't have enough conviction does not mean that you're right. Amen. It is the word of the living God that is your direction. It is what God says. It brings me no matter if you and I agree or disagree. It doesn't make any difference. It's what God's word says. How you interpret it, no matter how you interpret it, it's what God's word says. And the Bible says to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, rightly dividing this word of truth in your life, that you can help yourself and lead somebody else into the kingdom of God, hallelujah, and not lead them astray. Give the Lord a hand of praise. It's his word. You've got to recognize sin. You know what happens? We recognize it and we omit it and we do it. In the flesh. So what does the flesh say? The flesh says, I hate this spirit because the spirit makes me obey. That's why your flesh wars against your spirit. That's when you're sick. Look what happens. When your family's under attack, look what happens. Your mind is under attack. Your flesh is under attack. But really, it's after your spirit. That's why your mind has to be built that's why your relationship with God has to be built, that nothing shall separate you from the love of God. No terrible times, no tribulational times, no perilous times, none of these things is going to separate me because my mind is made up to serve a living God that is in me, hallelujah, that the devil has nothing in this world to do with, cannot create, cannot take, hallelujah, but God knows it all. And he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that your mind is spiritual, that it becomes under submission to the truth of God, that your flesh surrenders and follows the Spirit. And that Spirit, when it's out of balance, it's because you're not obeying the truth. And don't you even consider thinking that somebody else had the power nor the ability, nor the temptation to cause your spirit to react foul. It is impossible. Because God created the spirit. And your spirit has opportunity to yield to the truth so your flesh does not react wrongly. The Bible says from abundance of the heart, the mouth, Spirit in you is trying to gain that momentum of finding Creator God. That's why the book of Ephesians chapter 6 says what it does. That we are in a spiritual warfare. We are in a spiritual battle. The spiritual battle is like this. Pour something to race with. Kleenex in front of me. All right. Oh, Lord. Come here, Sister Wendy. Clean this thing. Stick it for me. I've got to show you one more thing before I close. Lick it, stick it, whatever. You know, let's get this thing in perspective here. 
Did you know that conflict you have with your family has nothing to do except the way you handle it? Have you ever seen somebody handle a problem and say, boy, I wish I could do that? You see how calm they was? I've taught my family, tear their leg off, beat them to death with it, and then talk to them about it. I will, I, mm, me, I, mm, me, I will straighten you out. If killing is necessary, that's what we'll do. That's what you want, that's what you'll get. The Holy Spirit comes and says, yeah, but you go to prison. I don't care right now. I'll kill them and I'll worry about that in court. I have thought that way before. I don't know about you. I'll kill him before we do it. I'll kill him. I'll just kill him. I'll get him out of the way. I will choke him to death. That's the flesh. The flesh is saying, you know, why? you know why you do that? It's because your mind is not stayed on the Lord. Our preacher. Well, read a little bit in the book of Romans and you'll find that old Paul, the great apostle, struggled the very same way with inward struggles. Why do I do these stupid things? I don't want to do them. Why do I do them? I do them anyway. Oh, I wish I didn't do it. Man, I wish I didn't sin. But I do it anyway. Why? 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 Tell you why. He goes on and teaches that you've got to learn to live in perfection in the truth of God instead of the flesh of who you think God is. Your mind has concepts of God, but God is the concept. And if we'll think on the things of God and surrender our thoughts unto that and allow our spirit to come under submission to that truth and our spirit will want truth more than anything, you become a worshiper unto God when the snow is snowing in the summertime, when the rain is falling and your barns are already flooded. I'm going to tell you that God is a peace in the midst of your storm. you got to believe him for that. And if you don't, you live in the flesh, you have fleshly thoughts, and the world teases you and tempts you and then your own flesh says, I will choose the way of the world. To be spiritually minded is what we must do. We've got to learn to live in the Spirit. When you live in the Spirit, it is an exercise of what you know is right. Then you're able to walk. In the, and Paul said, if you walk, in the Spirit, you have to live in the Spirit. And if you live in the Spirit, you're going to walk in the Spirit. A lot of us want to walk in the Spirit, but not live in the Spirit. We want to walk, shout, speak in tongues, roll in the floor and swing from chandelier to chandelier. I mean, take each pew and barely touch that thing where people know that the power of God is in us. And God says it don't make no difference how you walk or how you talk or how much you swing. When them feet hit the ground, you've got to walk uprightly before me. You must walk in paths of righteousness for my name's sake. Hallelujah. And when you learn to walk in the righteousness of the Lord for his name's sake, your flesh comes under surrender. So he told him in the Gethsemane, he said, hey, 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 your spirit's willing but that old flesh is just as weak as this was. Peter, can't you see old Peter? Now, that's the same guy at Pentecost. After the day of Pentecost, and he goes out with a different attitude. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, your attitude changes more. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, that means that you're wet. When you get baptized in the salvation, you are covered by the blood of the Lamb, and it washes you whiter than snow. 
When you're baptized in water, a little trinkle on the head won't do. Son, we put you all the way under. If one hair don't go, I'll set all 150 pounds of me on top of you and put you under. Some of y'all listening. Some of y'all remember that morning. Anything else I preached? He said he weighed 150 pounds. <laughs> and when you're baptized in water, you are completely wet and covered with water. And when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you have then been drenched and cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost. It means that your mind and your spirit and your flesh has yielded to the authority of the triune God, the Holy Ghost. And you have surrendered and it takes over your life and it gets inside you and you walk different, you talk different, you act different, you go different places, you don't go to the same places, you don't bang around the same people. You're all God. I draw a diagram of what happens to Pentecostal people after a while of being baptized in the Holy Ghost. You got this big old thing, supposedly it's water. Supposedly it's water. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You cleaned off? Hallelujah. Let me draw this for you right quick. Let me tell you why a lot of people are confused. This right here is called a drain plug. This is the Holy Ghost. We Pentecostals have dwelled upon the power of the Holy Ghost and it's going to do the work for us instead of in us. No, 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 don't shake your little head just no more. Honey, I'm telling you what, we say, do it for me. Holy Ghost, you do it for me. Holy Ghost, you do it for me. Some people say far. I say first. For me. Do it for me. Don't you do it for me? I'm child of God, Holy Ghost. Now you baptize me, you do it for me. Now when it really comes inside you, let it in, that means that you got your mind in a place. That's why a lot of people that are baptized in the Holy Ghost don't have to yield to it. They get, they get in these Pentecostal service and somebody's got them by the beer and says, and you know, you think that's the Holy Ghost just because you got a different kind of tone. Ba 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 ba. Some people practice say bow tie eighteen times. Say bow tie eighteen times. Bow tie, 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 bow tie. Hey, there's a practice of that going on. A syllable piece speaking in tongues and call it the move of the Holy Ghost. I got news for you. The Bible does not declare that. What happens when the Holy Ghost comes upon you in tongues? comes up on you, there's an utterance that comes from God, hallelujah, and it speaks through the spirit of a man who's yielded his flesh unto the Lord. Well, Don's got a little hair. See, you can get you by the hair and hit Amen. Say yes to Jesus. Somebody said, turn loose. I said, let go. And boy, you get out of the and you wore it. I, I remember singing the Holy Ghost when I was a kid. Boy, I get up and I say, my God, I dread next service. <laughs> I did. I dreaded it because I knew I was going to get down there. had this one old guy. He wasn't a brother. He was a guy. Every now and then he'd wake up and say, amen, bless him, oh Lord. I promise you it was like that. Wasn't it, Rose As soon as the preacher said, let's get the altar, he comes live. Woo! Oh, really got big old man. Couldn't hardly walk. About 65 years old. He come down. Well, boy, when I heard him coming, I crawled on a pew. I said, oh, God, not iron hand tonight. Not iron hand tonight. I'm dreading seeking the Holy Ghost because I know this old man is going to get up and he's going to come down to talk to her. Well, bless him, oh, God, I said, dear God in heaven, oh, dear God, oh, by your sight, I'm healed. I've even seen them get them around the head like this right here. Say it, say it, speak it, speak it. And they get your mouth and they go like, speak it, Jesus, speak it, speak it. Speak. People want you to get the baptism so much 
and you don't know how to yield for it. It's the only problem. Yeah, I've seen them choke them too. I really, I've seen people get so intense. We want you to receive the baptism. You are gonna get it, or I'm gonna hurt you. <laughs> I used to dread it. I hate the preacher Stephen because it used to, you know, every service comes seeking baptism, and you really need to do that without the preacher having to tell you that. But I'd sit back, I'd get sick, and have to go out of church right before he'd start giving the altar call. <laughs> I don't feel good tonight. My flesh says, get out of here because your spirit's fixing to get under attack. I don't feel good. And some of them old faithful soldiers, buddy, they didn't make no difference. They got beat in the back, slapped in the head or whatever. They're going to keep a commandment. They're going to go seek the Holy Ghost. Well, I got it one night. But there wasn't nobody praying for me. All the... All the performance had gone. And I'm sitting in church and said, God, what is wrong with me? You see, you've got to take a look and see who you really are before you can really get touched by God. People can pray for you and fast and pray for you, but until you want it, you will not receive it because they have not the power to enter your spirit. Now, some people think they do. They think they are God. And when they lay their hand on you, they come down and they say, You are healed. Now, the anointing of God flows through men's hands to do that. But after a while, man's spirit begins to get filled with ideas. His ideas now, because Satan comes and tempts his mind, Look how anointed you are. Look what God has done through you. Look at the power God has entrusted you with. And Satan, get your mind focused upon the powers of God until you enjoy the powers of God. You want to possess the powers of God. And you cannot possess. It is God who is the possessor. It is not your spirit. It is the one that God assigns you to. It is God's spirit made into your flesh body so your spirit can want the things of God. So your flesh is in constant turmoil with temptation. And when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, Pentecostal people say, thank God, I used to hear the testimonies all the time, Thank God I've been saved, sanctified, and baptized with the Holy Ghost. And they do a little jig while they're dancing. I mean, while they're testifying. And then at the church, that person that they haven't forgiven, they'll see them and they'll turn their head so they don't have to speak to them going out of church. I got news for you. The Holy Ghost ain't in 10,000 million miles of that one. You say what you want to, do what you want to, act like you want to, but the Holy Spirit is a forgiver. He done me wrong. She done me wrong. Deal, forgive him. Now, if a truck runs over, you don't get out and front, stand in front of it again. Let it run over you again. I mean, if I see a truck, that's a stupid thing wrong. I'm going to get out of its way. If somebody really caused you a lot of heartache and pain, you get out of their way, but you still love them. I can love the prisoner without sitting in prison with him. Amen. I can love one who talks mean to me without going over and eating supper with him. I love you, but you talk real mean to me and you hate me. I'm going to love you, but I ain't coming to your house to eat supper. You know why? Because I don't know when you're welcome. Hello. What are y'all leaving for, brother? Brother-in-law's leaving. Uh-huh. Oh, you got to drive a bus? Go ahead. Get them youngins home so parents let them come back. <laughs> Beats all ever seen. Parents send their kids to church. Get them out of my stinking hair here at 9 o'clock in the morning. And the kids get here, you know, they say, well, I want them home here at 1 o'clock. <laughs> get them out by nine. Get them home by one. 
what? <laughs> you don't like them, why you want them? Because I said so, that's why. <laughs> Let us have them. We'll have a good time. Oh, I got it. Let me do this. Here it is. You get saved. Oh, hallelujah. I'm saved. Now, Pentecost will say, salvation, sanctification, Holy Ghost. There's three steps right there, and you're guaranteed to heaven. I got saved, but the carnal nature of man is still there after you have been forgiven of your sins. You've got to learn that when you get saved, that means you have been forgiven of your sins and you're saved from those sins, but now your mind has to make a decision on whom I'm going to follow. And we think we're saved, I ain't got no more trouble. <laughs> you're saved, you better watch out, dummy. You fixing to get hit by a freight train. Because the old sin, the old nature comes back just as quick as you're saved and begins to deal with the mind. That's why the Bible says that you get to learn to pick up your cross, not the Lord's cross, not somebody. Well, everybody's trying to tell everybody else's crosses. Come on, brother, I'll help you share your burden and you ain't got one so big you only let the Lord have it. Bless God, I'll just get rid of your problem and you just full of them. I tell y'all sometimes, I got, so many, I got more problems than y'all got. Hard for me to help solve your problems when I can't solve my own. I'm going to tell you the same thing I have to. Take it to the Lord. Oh, I want you to give me some deep counsel. I want you to tell me how to do this. Take it to the Lord. How do you do it, preacher? Take it to the Lord. That's short. I know it, and it's sweet. Take it to the Lord. I, I, I need somebody. No, you don't. You need the Lord. Is there a prayer group in church that can help me? I need somebody to help me. And you just got to take it to the Lord. Why? You ain't got to be afraid. Why? Go to the Lord with you. It's so simple. We become pathetic when I walk with God. And we say, where are you, God? And God says, I ain't went nowhere. I am the same. Yesterday. Today and throughout eternity, I don't change, I don't move. Where are you? And we want to blame our children or our husband or our wife. When the Holy Ghost comes inside you, you're going to change. But there's a lot of people not willing to let the power of the Holy Ghost. Acts 1 and 8 says, you shall receive power after. The Holy Ghost come upon you. And some of us walk around, I don't got no power. I can't get the devil off my doorstep. He is wearing me out. That's what we do. Wearing me out. Oh, boy. What? You're afraid, ain't you? Oh, oh, I love God. Well, the Lord says, don't be afraid. Why? Because he's with you. It's simple. I don't think we understand English. If we believe God's word, it says, do not be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. Maybe we need, yeah, Spanish. I didn't know I could speak Spanish. See, amigo. Is that Spanish? That ain't Spanish. Is it? <laughs> it's like the ketchup bottle chasing the mustard bottle, and the mustard bottle turns around and says, ketchup. I told you I'd get you, Christy. We're saved. Now we got to quit our smoking. Now we got to quit our drinking. Now we got to quit this unusual sex. Now I got to go to church. Gotta go to church. Now, in sanctification realm, the process of sanctification, there is a spiritual sanctification to a degree. There is a place that your spirit becomes sanctified in order to be a recipient of the Holy Ghost. Sanctification is a daily process. 
study of Scripture to keep your mind cleansed, sanctified by God's truth. And we say, I'm saved now, but I've got to quit all these things. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I don't much think that you decided to follow the Lord. I think you've got forgiveness of your sins. Now, everybody, I'm a little controversial on things, so let me just tell you this. When you're forgiven of your sins, you're like a thief on the cross. If you die, you're going to go to heaven. But a lot of people think because they're saved, they ain't going to live right no more. And a lot of people, when they get forgiveness of sins, they're so used to that that they get forgiveness of sins and they've got Band-Aid on what needs surgery. And they get up from the altar and they go out and they do not intend to follow the Lord. They intend to feel good until next time and they'll repent again. That is not commitment. It is not mine made up to serve God. It is mine to get rid of my heavy load right now. I'll worry about it next week if I sin. When you get saved, brother and sister, let me tell you something. You get saved and you say, now I am no longer the same. I've been changed. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. My mind now is made up to serve God and not myself. And you don't go out here sinning. You don't want to sin. Fact is, when you're a child of God, you know what the Bible says in the, in, in the book of Proverbs? It says that you learn to hate the very appearance of evil. You don't even want to be around it. That's why Paul said, why do I do these things? Because the spirit inside you is not yielding to the truth of God the way it's supposed to. So your flesh is overtaking your spirit. That's why Jesus said to them, your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. I wanted you to pray. Here I brought you to pray with me. And you couldn't stay awake like I am. Now you're going to sleep. So I know that your flesh is weak. The Lord knows our flesh is weak. He said, that's why I've given you myself. To show you that if you'll accept me, if you'll learn of me, you can make a decision to live for God or you can make a decision to live half-heartedly. You can do anything you want to do. God's not going to make you. There is no limitations in God. We limit ourselves by the way we think. Well, I'm afraid somebody will see me. Let me tell you, when you get saved, here's what happens to Pentecostals. They get, they get saved and then it takes them a few weeks to get sanctified. <laughs> Somebody got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost one Sunday morning at offering. They said, I don't think he got the Holy Ghost. I said, what? Well, he just got saved. I said, say what? I ain't even preaching yet, but I ain't that stupid. I said, now, wait a minute. He just got saved. And he's over on the floor just rolling and speaking in tongues on Sunday morning. Mean sinner. And I said, why? He said, well, he's got to get cleansed. People are warped. Christians have warped thinking because they listen to somebody tell them who God is instead of getting the word down and finding out for themselves exactly who He is. Somebody's told me how to live. Somebody's told me my doctrine. Somebody's told me this and that and the other. You need to understand what God is saying through your own study of the word. But after you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, I'm saved, I'm sanctified, I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost. Uh, oh, for right now, I quit my smoking and my drinking and my cussing and my going around, running around, bang, bang, bang. For right now, oh, bless God, I'm sanctified right now. Glory be to God. I've been baptized. Oh, you get up here at this place. You're standing here. That little frail body. Oh, yeah. And you want to jump in that Holy Ghost so bad. The services get going, man, you can feel it. You can just, oh, man, I feel like stepping into the water. Oh, but you get a little scared. Somebody's looking at me. Somebody's watching me. Somebody, oh, somebody will see my hair all messed up. Well, thank God for hair that will mess up. But somebody's going to see me do something I'm out of ordinary. Why are you worried about what people think? Well, the Holy Spirit says, lift up your hands. And you go, ain't nobody else. So, you do it, somebody else might want to. You might be the key to worship. If the devil keeps everybody blinded, you're going to sit there like a bunch of mummy dummies. And you ain't going to do nothing. And God's not going to get glory. But then, one day, they decide to jump in the Holy Ghost. They're going to dive in this pool of the Holy Ghost. They dive in. Whoa! Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm baptized. 
See my bow tie pass me on by. Boy, they're just speaking in tongues all over the place. They're so excited about God. They're so wonderfully involved in the Holy Ghost. And they can't walk for several days. They're so drunk in the Spirit because the Spirit, when they made their mind to jump in, when they made their mind up to jump on into the power of the Holy Ghost, they got power. And the power came over them and overtook them. And their flesh came under surrender because their spirit was so filled up with God. And the next thing you know, they're just so heavenly minded. Sister Frances Hodges came back from a ladies retreat last year. And she was, you know how petite she is and how reserved, you know. And one Sunday morning... Listen to this. One Sunday morning, she got out and she's going, Woo! She done down here in the Spirit. Glory to God. And she found out where she was after she traveled in the Spirit. And she told my wife, she says, I think I'm going crazy. <laughs> Some of us get so excited to do something for God, and we say, I must be out of my mind for doing that. I don't normally do those things. Well, what do you think they said about them at Pentecost? They come out there and they couldn't even stand up. They were drunk in the spirit. But they went over and told everybody what's going on in their country in another tongue. You get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. Now, let me tell you something. The reason, and I'll close with this. The reason that people are discouraged these are people over here watching you. Pentecostal people, listen to me. Here's a drain plug. The Holy Ghost is not going to make you live for Him. And once you've been baptized in it, it is an experience. Say it with me. Experience. Being baptized in the Holy Ghost is an experience. Now, to keep the Holy Ghost alive in you, you have to take the experience and begin to experiment with him. Now here's why a lot of people after about three months, six months of baptizing the Holy Ghost, they don't do so many things on steps. I'm gonna fix the draw here. This is why they get discouraged at church. Now you see them and they're a real lift to you. And they're all over the church. Whoo! Hallelujah. Tongues falling on them. Oh hallelujah. And you and you, you look at that person, you say that person's spiritual. And then all of a sudden that person has not been in God the way he's supposed to, and they become unspiritual. And you look at them and say, what's wrong with brother so-and-so? What's wrong with sister so-and-so? So something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong, all right. And then you begin to judge them because they're not spiritual like they used to be. And you're as bad off as they are. Somebody's got to grow up in God. Somebody's got to mature in God. Somebody's got to say, it don't make no difference what nobody else does. I'm going to serve the Lord. It don't make no difference if the preacher does fall flat on his face. I'm going to serve God. It don't matter if brother so-and-so does fall on his face. I'm going to serve the Lord. You've got to make your mind up that nothing's going to separate you from God. And when they get the Holy Ghost, they get the power, and they go to sinning, they go to draining. The drain plug opens up, and they're out here just all along. They don't know if they want to go to church, or they don't know if they want to go back in the world. And then all these people over here are looking focused on you. And you're leading somebody to heaven or you're leading them astray. Understand that in your life. You are leading somebody somewhere in your life. But if a person chooses to come out of that water after the power's on the take up your cross, you then begin again to pray. You're then going to begin to study the Word. Then you're going to go visiting. Then you're going to get involved. On and on and on. And when you cease to labor, when you cease to labor, no matter how much you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, no matter how much you have shouted and spoken tongues. No matter how much you have prophesied. No matter how much you have given message interpretation. No matter how many times the gifts of the Spirit work in you. If you're not willing to pick up your cross and follow the Lord, you will fall right back down the ladder or be drained out of the power of God and somebody will say, you are nothing but a hypocrite. Jesus even called them the same thing. Let me say this in closing. 
today, do you want the Lord to be first in your life? This is all I can say. You've got to change your way of thinking if he's not. And if he is first, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have Galatians 5.22 running out your mouth. Love, joy, peace, meekness, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, temperance. And in the midst of trouble, somebody offends you. I love you. I love you too, preacher, but I want to tell you something. But I love you. And I don't have room for judgment in my heart to you because I got God inside me. Yeah, I've, I've sinned. Would you forgive me? I don't know. You're the preacher. Now I'm asking you to know what the Bible says. Would you forgive me? But you're the preacher. Well, quit judging me and forgive me. So you can stay straight. I repent all the time. I'm not going to stop. Have you ever went to repent and you couldn't find nothing to repent for? It's okay. Keep on doing it. You say, Lord, if there's anything I failed, I don't see it. Show me. Because you're searching God. You're searching the power of the Lord. You know what? When you begin to study the Word of the Lord, when you begin to pray after salvation or that experience of being baptized in the holy power of God, you're fixing to begin to take the characteristics of God in your life upon you. People's going to want to be like you. I love you today. God kept dealing with me about the Spirit today. He dealt with me all week about the Spirit. He said, tell my people to let their spirit get cleansed by renewing of their thinking. And I pray you will accept that today. Would you bow your heads and would everyone stand, please? Why do you do these things you don't want to do? Because of what you're thinking. It's not an excuse. You can't use an excuse. You've got to say, I've got to let the Lord have my battles today. Now, you listen to me close because I'm not going to... I've preached with anointing. I know that God's been in the midst of us and He spoke to our church today. So you're either going to respond to God or you're not. But if you're in this church right now and you say, Pastor, I really want God to take my spirit and use it. I want my mind to change in the way I think. I'd like to come and ask God for help. Get out of your seat and come. In Jesus' name.